This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonizing, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Making Books podcast. This will be the penultimate end to season one of this podcast because I'm heavily pregnant, about to have a baby, and frankly, my brain is changing beyond recognition, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to put two words together in a few weeks' time. So while I can still put a couple of words together in some sort of sense, I'm going to release two more episodes There's also been a little bit of a break between this episode and the last episode and that has been because a lot of life stuff has been going on but I have an absolute treat of an episode today and a really fantastic surprise also for the last episode of season one which will be out next week. So this week I am talking to historical fiction children's writer Izzy Lawrence who is referenced fairly heavily in the episode where I interview AF Harold who is Izzy's partner. So AF or Ashley um, talks a lot about Izzy's writing career and how different their approaches are. Um, So I thought it would be great to speak to her and find out how she writes her books. And she's had a sort of incredible, um, really productive, fantastic kind of um, (laughs) start to her writing career. From just 2020, she's um, written... Oh, I think she is good. It's up to eight is what we said, but two of them are about to come out. Um, historical fiction novels, a series for six to nine year olds, which are, is called the Time Machine series and also standalone novels um, for middle grade, nine to 12 or nine to 11. So we get into that because I've got no experience of writing historical fiction. Um, and so it was really fascinating to hear how she approaches research and um how she balances like kind of yeah how she balances kind of fact with making up stories and fiction and characters and she talks about it so brilliantly so I hope you enjoy this very much um a few things to mention we referenced Susan the cat so if you haven't heard AF Harold's episode it might be good to listen back to that one first um Susan Izzy and Ashley's cat makes an appearance AF's episode but doesn't join us for Izzy's episode so that is disappointing it was disappointing for me but just a little warning for you um anything else to mention no I don't think there is enjoy it okay here she is Izzy Lawrence recording in progress recording in progress so another skill of yours a brilliant fantastic impeccable impressions of zoom the zoom Mm -hmm. lady it's necessary yeah to add to the canon thank you Izzy so much for doing this you wipe your thing no I still look bad still look bad (laughs) (laughs) just my face well I feel nervous because you're a professional podcaster so professional like literally radio I know I've been to like all of the studios in the BBC who've all recorded my special voice so and now I'm getting it yes 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 excited and nervous at the same time it's it should be fine do i sound all right and do you need me to record my end because i could probably do that if you wanted me to oh my goodness well it seems like it's a great connection it's probably fine 
we'll be fine. And if it's yeah. not, you can ring me back and it'll be okay. <laughs> I did have some technical difficulties with AF's recording, so I, if it happens, I will tell do you. Do you? Are you saving? You know the thing you need to do, which is save it on your computer as two individual files. Yeah. I've been doing that. I've been doing that. Good. Doing that. Good. But I That'll think it was help. just a bad connection because he he was yeah. in the shed. He's in. Yeah, no, he's yeah. always in the shed. <laughs> but well, he's not at the moment we should wait we should wait before we start it start it because i can hear him pottering in the kitchen are you nearly gone yeah, yeah oh no gone. i like that i love the um i love the texture of um of life i want susan yeah. to make an appearance i don't know if susan will make an appearance because it's sunny and okay. this isn't a sunny enough room fair enough fair enough susan you do you but thanks so much for agreeing to chat i'm that's all right i've just been looking at your at your bibliography in awe and amazement yes it's and it's all since 2020 yeah yeah i mean is it real is it made up it's making me not trust the internet now most of it's most of it's real that's the whole point i don't make stuff up that's where i differ from other authors because it's all historical fiction so I don't have to do as much work. Oh, I well, we'll get into that. But could you tell me what was the? Could you t- take us back to the moment when you realised you wanted to write a book? Because I know you are. You've got many. About six years old. What are you talking about? That's, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I did. I wrote. I think. I think I wrote a time travel book back when I was about six years old, starring two characters and a box of matches and a weird time machine thing where they went back to the dinosaurs and didn't get eaten. But that's. So I've been writing since I was a child and always enjoyed it. And stand-up comedy, I did a lot of. And that is all writing. It's all storytelling. But in a different form, where your editing skills have to be very, very good. Very, very honed in order for it to work. So it's like a cross between storytelling and poetry stand-up. It's quite a, you know, you need to get your skills for that. Um, And then, yeah, I started my first book... I wrote sort of end of 2018 through to 2019. It was released in 2020, and that was The Unstoppable Letty Peg. Um, making lots of notes. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's so if you'd seen me. Very important. Again. I've written. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just assuming. I've been to therapy. I know what you're doing. That's... <laughs> yeah, I don't charge, though. That's the lovely thing about this. Oh, nice. Nice. There we go. Yeah, you go for it. Um, so. That so you and obviously you've also written um uh, a series called Time Machine. So was that coming yeah, the, back to your that original first book, do you think? Or did oh, you have that? Possibly. Like... Well what what that was, that was I Bloomsbury wanted me to write something for six to nine year olds and I sort of pitched them a few ideas and I said, We definitely don't want time travel, but we want as many historical things from history as possible. And really I came up with ideas which weren't time travel, but they just thought they were a bit too um out there which was fair enough so we went with the time machine at all which meant I had to come up with my own time machine which I'm very proud of my time machine is called the boring machine because you know when you get bored time slows down yes. if you get even more bored it'll get even slow and if you get even more bored it can stop and using the boring machine you can get so bored that it'll start to tick backwards which is great because I've had emails from parents saying that their child is currently stat looking at wet paint <laughs> <laughs> trying to bore themselves into the past it's uh, very good but, you know, yeah yeah, yeah. it's I quite a good skill yeah it is I think it's, that's a good one I love that um so okay so 2018 to 2019 what was the impetus for that writing because obviously 
Well, I got the book contract. This is the oh, thing. Oh, that'll do it. So I've worked backwards. <laughs> I, work, I work backwards. I don't write a book and hope somebody will buy it. I insist that they tell me what they want. We agree what they want and then I deliver it. So, and that was done because I was a presenter on BBC Radio 4's Making History. And I did, with my friend Naomi Paxton, a little bit about the jiu-jitsu suffragettes because they're fun, you know. And they're a bit, they're weirdly a bit less violent than the ones who blew up, you know, pillar boxes and that sort of thing. So what I thought, um, I'll do that. And we did it in my local dojo because I do do jujitsu and like I got her to put me in like wrist locks and that sort of thing. And that got made pick of the week on Radio 4. So of course, a few people retweeted that and I retweeted it going, oh, look at this. And then randomly, um, somebody wasn't following me, but a editor from Bloomsbury, Hannah Rolls, basically said, oh, that would make a great kid's book. And I went, yes, it would. And I wouldn't let her go. And I insisted on her having a meeting with me. <laughs> Held on to her leg. Point she said, yeah, exactly. And that's basically, you know, I just wouldn't let that opportunity go. And when that was, you know, and that was, I think, you know, people still buy it. I still see it in shops. So that can't be bad. 2020, that's four years time. That's pretty good. No, mm-hmm. yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's how fantastic. So you, okay, okay. So um, ha- you've been writing for a long time in stand-up. How long have you been doing stand-up for? What was your kind of writing process for stand-up? I don't write for stand-up. So the way stand-up works is, um, for me, I'll have an idea about something. I'll think, is this funny? And I'll say it a few different ways in my head. I'll write down the key notes of that. So it'll literally be like odd words. And then I'll practice it. And what you find with stand-up is because it's so uh, performative and it's so survival, you'll remember the rhythm of it when you do it. Right. So if I find that when stand-up really doesn't work for me is when I am trying to remember something and say it perfectly because they're not actually talking to the audience and they pick it up. So it's not, it is writing because I think the key to writing is the storytelling. I think this is why you get authors who I don't recommend as being brilliant writers sell a lot of books because they're very good at storytelling, even if those stories are frankly ridiculous. You know, I'm thinking obviously of people like, you know, Lee Child and Dan Brown and that sort of thing. The writing's not the best writing in the world, but I would rather read one of their books than, you know, another description of a bloody Heath by Thomas Hardy. You know, that's the sort of, you know, thing that you want. You want the, you, that that's beating the thing the feeds on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, your brain needs, that's what, it, it feasts on that sort of like plot that takes you somewhere. And so, um, so that, yeah, so that, that's the same sort of thing with, um, with stand up is it, you know, you have to not only get the rhythm down and have the beautiful, you know, twists and storytelling and that sort of sense but you can't you can't get you say it's got to be in the moment otherwise it really is sort of dead and you have the audience questioning it's like sitting in front of a wall watching somebody talk to themselves it's not great (laughs) um brilliant okay oh gosh I feel like yeah stand-up must be terrifying that's much easier much (laughs) easier than seriously a group of people is so much easier to talk to than just one person if you've got one this person, is your nightmare you, right now on Zoom. Yeah, one person, yeah, in Zoom. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all, I mean, it, it's fine, but the thing is, um, with you, I have uh, it's either 100% or nothing. You know, either you like what I'm saying or you don't. Whereas if you were in a group of 100 people, if you decided you didn't like me, but even say 45 of people in that room love me, it's still a great gig for me. Do you know what I mean? Right, you see, yeah, yes, okay, yeah. Well, I like so you. So you've got a much higher hit rate. Yeah, good, yeah. that's this good. Is good. Yeah, yeah I want to establish fine. that. <laughs> good. Uh, because we've never met before. I've, it's because no. um, 
lovely Avis talk, talked about you quite a lot in his interview. And He's very I... generous like that. Slash, he doesn't like talking about himself, so I get I get it in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so thank so thank you again for agreeing to do this. Um, That's because cool. we're strangers, but we are. And I, I have no and I have no reference for stand up or historical fiction, which is your area. Oh, cool. So yeah. it's fascinating for me. So you got the contract. So did you even have to write? like a pitch or did it just happen through I wrote a pitch so just to prove that and I'd also done a creative writing course so I've got so I've got a you know a diploma in creative writing from yeah shove that in their you know, faces all of that sort of stuff <laughs> exactly so they knew I could they knew I could write and they knew I've worked for radio so I've been involved in sort of sort of journalistic writing and that sort of thing so it's not like I'm completely an unknown quantity and it was just one book it wasn't a very sort of a lot of money that sort of thing up front so they just went yeah yeah, give it a go. And um and thank goodness that Hannah did because um I really, you know, I've really sort of found my feet in it and I really enjoy yeah. writing the books. And I thought I wrote a pretty darn good story, to be honest. Yeah. And it's it's historically accurate to the weather. Well in yeah. ni- back um, in nineteen ten, they didn't they didn't do weather reports the same way we do. They didn't talk about what they thought the weather would be. They actually reported on the weather of yesterday. So whenever I had writer's block, I'd just look up on the papers, see what the weather was doing, just write a little, <laughs> add a little thing. Oh, it was raining. Mm. Very wet. <laughs> Very wet year, that. But yeah. yeah so... When in doubt, talk about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's nice to be able to sort of give it that little extra bit of realism. Oh, know, amazing. That... Yeah. Like if a kid asks me, I can just go, yeah, yeah, actually, it all happened exactly the way I did, except Letty Pig isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... Can you talk us through like the writing for that first book? Because that was quite quick, and yeah. obviously, you know, like you've just mentioned, the, your historical accuracy is, you know, um, beyond fault. Well, so how? Well, do, how do no, you don't do say it? that because I'm sure historians, sort of, you know, proper historians, will be like, actually, we don't actually know that she made a guess in a fabrication, which is true. You have to. So I come from um, stories to the point of why would? Because I write middle grade, so it's it's sort of nice twelve year olds is Lady Peg. And I was thinking, what did I think about the suffragettes when I was 9 to 12 years old? I thought they were boring. I didn't identify with them at all. It's tedious. People wore silly costumes. There's nothing exciting happening that then. I don't care. How would, you know, a kid those days, would they even care about suffragettes? Of course they wouldn't care about suffragettes. I mean, ugh, you know, it's boring. It's a right to vote. It doesn't even mean anything. And they weren't getting a right to vote for all women, just posh women. I mean, come on. It's really, it's a really tedious boring. It's women embroidering signs marching in life. It's just, ugh, nothing more off-putting. So I thought, how do I make, you know, in order to bring this alive, I have to have my main character care about this. How do you make her care about it? And I thought, well, her mum could be a suffragette. That's an easy sort of, you know, way in. So obviously she cares about her mum, ergo, you know, she's got that sort of tie to it, but it's still not her. Now, the suffragettes at the time were doing lots of protests. I mean, the Women's Social Political Union were fighting in the streets and there was really terrible, there was a riot called Black Friday where, you know, it was bad. Women were sexually assaulted. There were, you know, a few of them died afterwards of their injuries. It was bad. The police basically were told that they were not allowed to arrest them, so they just beat them back. And it was horrific. And I thought, well, that's that's exciting. I thought I'd do that. But how do I make... So maybe her mum could be there. And I thought, ooh, ooh, hang on. She's got a mum. She's also got a dad. What if I make a dad a policeman? 
And then suddenly this whole big historical thing becomes incredibly personal and important yes. to my main character for reasons which aren't, oh, isn't it good that women have the votes? I mean, obviously it is, but that's not that's not the point of the book. The point is you've got a kid who's on their own in a warring family that's just reflecting the outside world. And, you know, and she's very isolated. And I thought that was a quite nice starting off point for a kid's book where she's going to beat a load of other women who learn self-defence, who are able to defend themselves, able to teach her how to defend herself, and then actually she's going to find her own confidence, just yeah. like I did myself with jiu-jitsu. Amazing, amazing. So, um, so, you, so you just did a lot of kind of like work around really making sure that you felt, you know, you really cared for that character and that you felt fired up about why they were doing what they were doing or what yeah. was happening. How do you marry that with all of the historical facts and your research and how do you balance those two I tend to like I find writing and even with stand-up comedy when you're just sort of like telling like you know demi-truth stories you know that you've exaggerated a bit you know for stage it is you do the research I mean I think Adam Bloom who's a comedian who's very very good he said trying to write anything without consuming anything first, without going out and having experiences, without reading about it. It's like trying to, you know, have a poo when you haven't eaten. You know, it's really hard without that information. So I, I just went off and I read a load of stuff and I just trusted my brain, the stuff that I remembered, the stuff that I thought was interesting. I thought, well, that's interesting, so I'll put it in the book. Yeah. And that's, that's how I sort of do. So the things that really sort of grab me make me go, ooh, Mm-hmm. that's the thing I just trust and I don't worry about the other bits that don't really and I don't think well I have to talk about this like the, I have to talk about the lady got hit by the horse because that's what everybody knows about no don't need to know about that this doesn't fit the story and and I think um and it is it, it is about you know killing your darlings I think is the thing that most writers sort of do they just go I've got this description of a vase and it has to go in um don't put it in guys don't uh we won't read it i just skip i just skip to dialogue sometimes when people go off on one hillary mantel absolutely love her but some of the descriptions about what they're eating read them all (laughs) (laughs) so you know it, it, it is about trusting your brain and then being ruthless with actually this doesn't need to be in here what's necessary and the beauty the beauty is you know particularly with something that's set in the 20th century you've got the newspapers you've got the ability to go okay that happens then that happens then that happens then let's make this happen you know to the you know actual point of um so you've got the plot point you say well that has to happen halfway through that has to happen and i just plan it and of course the characters want to do their own thing and go off on one and you have to sort of reel them back in and say actually you're staying here um but that's that's part of the fun of it and um yeah no that that's basically how i do it is i read a lot um, you know, I interview people as well. You know, Hillary, um, Hillary, Naomi Paxton is a um, expert on jujitsu and suffragettes in term in the in the early twentieth century, um, and so it was great fun researching all of that and getting the, you know, uh, the things right. And some people have written amazing history books, and I love reading nonfiction and just to play in that sample yeah. is great. So do you just sort of get to a point where you just feel that you've sort of immersed yourself and not enough or is it hard to break off from that period? Well, no, well the, beauty, the beauty is that if you get start to get an idea in your head, you want to write it. So you think, OK, so if I start it with there and then would I take it? And you sort of have a sort of vague ghost outline of the plot 
And so you know the bits you need to hit. You know that, okay, well, if this is happening in the beginning, then you've got, you know, the classic storylines of being able to reflect bits and how would you, and how do you get that character to do that? You need another character. Who are they? What do they want? How do you make them their own main character? And that, that, that sort of like shapes it for you. And then you're just sort of trying to hit the points where, you know, the action, the drama has to happen because this massive event happens or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is a point which is significant enough that all the characters will have to come together at this point. So something needs to happen when they all come together. They can't, or I suppose they could ignore each other entirely. Uh, but that's kind of that's kind of how I approach it. And it feels, it feels very restrictive because... You can't have them actually go, actually, I'm going to run away because you can't run away. If like, you know, City of Spies, one of my ones in the American Revolutionary War, you can't run away. You're stuck in New York. There's no way you can get out. You know, this is it. Um, so there's there's all of these, you know, and, you know, like City of Spies as well. The story I'm telling, which is a story of, you know, a spy and a traitor being found and that sort of thing. So I'm not going to say anything more because... And this is the one that's just come out, hasn't it? This just this yeah. January 2024. Yeah, yeah. So that's set in revolutionary New York where it's British, you know, it's a British kid called Aiden and New York's surrounded by Washington's men. Everybody's very worried and New York is full of spies and he thinks he's found a spy and effectively he has to try and convince the grown-ups that his spy is a spy. But is he a spy? Who knows? Ooh, can he get evidence? Is he just paranoid? Elizabeth's really paranoid. Maybe he's like her, but maybe he isn't oh no there's this happening and basically at the end there is a massive reveal which is historically accurate and like literally that is like you know the historical chart of that happens to the hour so i know if aiden's going to be there where he has to be and when i just have to make it as convincing as possible for the you know reader that he was definitely there yeah and yeah. to do that you have to give him every reason to be there yeah, and yeah. every motivation to be there, and why he's there, and what he's thinking about, what's going on, and why it's so important to him—not yes. to the whole context of the war, but to him—that personal and, um, connection. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's not a story; it's just you know reporting. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, I love. I feel like I'm really in your head when you when you when you start on when you were then telling exactly what was happening yeah. and how this was happening. I'm like, I'm in Izzy's mind. This is what it's like. It's 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 a bit chaotic. There's there's a lot of like I get writer's block, but I never get writer's block. So at the moment I'm writing a different story, which is due in next week. It's not getting delivered by next week, but it's due in next week. And um I have issues with it at the moment. I'm having a real sort of like time trying to because I've got a lot of different characters with very different motives. And one of the main characters' motives I've deliberately left ambiguous in order to keep me interested and wanting to write it, but I'm going to have to make decisions soon. And because of that, I have to, you know, I I know I'm going to go with the most dramatic thing I possibly can, but it's hard to write. And it's yeah. and so what's happening is I'm going, you know, well, why don't we just sort this? I'm just going to look up some more theology about the local, you know, how, what they thought <laughs> and their morality. And yeah, so that's that's, you know, it's, there's no writer's block because there's always research and I love research so but it is it is a case of I have to make a decision soon and I don't want to my entire body just going don't do it because I'm one of these people who I don't believe in drafts so much okay, I think it's yeah. very dangerous to write a draft which is entirely wrong and to rush it like that because it puts that down in your head and then you're changing something that you haven't thought through um 
and I don't like that. I think it's it makes it real before it's time. Interesting. Okay, so does so that you, make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So you'd like to you like to kind of work through. Basically, you're working on a finished draft. I mean, they're not really a draft. You use the word draft for you. I, what I tend to do, the way I physically work is, I was I write, get really excited, write writes a bit too much, and then before I stop. I'll sort of stop at a point where I think, oh, I know what to say next, but I won't because that'll keep me going the next time. And then what I'll do is I'll go back a bit and then I'll reread what I've done and then I'll change the bits I need to change. So it's almost like I'm second drafting it after, right after the first yeah, draft. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then when I'm starting again, I'll write a bit and I might get stuck and then I'll go back again. So the first yes. bit of any of my books is the most heavily gone over because it's simply how I get back into writing. Yeah. Um, and then I could put the little details in. And also that means that you can bring things back and really yeah. have that first part in your head so that you can um, you you can play around with that sort of satisfying story where, yes. oh, that makes sense now. And, oh, that got wrapped up now. And, oh, yes. You know, that thing that makes me happy. Like when you watch a drama and you're just like, yes, they murdered that person. I knew they didn't. Oh, the clues <laughs> are there all the time. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I haven't I, done any mysteries like that. But. <laughs> I think yeah, there, it is. It is really satisfying to go back to that beginning to make sure it feels really like yes, this is what I set out to do, and like to remind yourself of that each time. I think that can be a really great way to start out. Um, do you can you when when do you get do you ever get tripped up over historical details? Because I'm imagining yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff I have to decide, which is definitely wrong. Because you have different historians disagreeing about things. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a pain. That is a real pain. And there's also, like, Billy Swift, I think, is where I ventured furthest from history. Because right at the end of Billy Swift, there is an aerial bombardment of a particular... I won't say too much, but there's explosions and coolness. Now, all the explosions and all the crashes in Billy Swift takes flights, which takes place during the Second World War, is about the women who delivered the Spitfires in the Second World War um, and all the other planes, of course. And every accident that happens is an actual verified accident it's just that i put them in different places and different times and that sort of thing which i can see would bother purists purists you know um a lot and it and also there are things which i'd have loved to put in the book but they're just too far apart to get in yeah. you know tell a good story you ha you know you want everything to happen within a certain you know frame of time i think you know letty pegs about six months um same with billy swift it's about you know four or five months so it's just like really when you're just like, if only if only we could just go. And then it was Christmas and I had a lovely time uh, and nothing really happened. Everything stayed the same emotionally, even though that would be kind of difficult and impossible uh, to be on that edge that long without losing your hair. So, uh, yeah, so everything does get a bit crunched. But I did get to have some sort of nice historical actual events going on, which I there's there's things like. You know, the ATA, who are the people who are delivering the planes to the RAF, they were a bit naughty because they were a private enterprise. So, for example, they flew over to Ireland illegally, picked up a load of turkeys and flew it back. And because they weren't, you know, the black market turkeys, everybody got one for Christmas. And that's that made it to the book. But nobody knows the year that was. Was it 42? Was it 43? Yeah. Was it 44? There's not really a... That, this is a sort of hypocritical tale that happened, but depending on whose autobiography you read, it, it changes. So I just went, oh, it happened in this year, definitely then, because it <laughs> suits me. Yeah, But I think people expect a bit of that in historical fiction. Oh, you can't... for sure. I suppose I wonder how yeah. does it feel as you're, you know, I love hearing you talk about how, you know, you work so hard to 
really make it personal for that protagonist and thinking about mm-hmm. you know really their experience and and I suppose like I'm thinking about like you know when I'm writing one of my books I'm you know I'm really imagining like what they're having for breakfast and what their bedroom looks like and all those world mm. details does that kind of thing trip you up or does that feel like it comes from you know from imbibing the research and and all the conversations yeah. you've had the world details are often quite tricky so particularly with like something further in the past when you've got okay so what was this you know 18th century coffee house really like what did it smell like where were they going to the bathroom where were they washing yes. were they wearing the same clothes every day how did they do you know x y and z how much detail do you want to put in you don't need to sort of like you know yeah of course exactly you know yeah and that's sort of, so but anything that's you know anything i can make any detail i do i try and link it to the plot somehow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that so it's it's something that comes up and it's important so for example you know the fact that you know, there's, there's a scene in um a city of spice where aiden is really really thirsty and he goes into an inn and he asks for a small beer because you know that's what he'd be drinking but they don't have any they've only got you know spirits um and so and he's like have you not got water and he says well you can sort of have some it's a bit thick you know that is that sort yes. of historical yeah, yeah. detail of going okay you can't you know so obviously he goes thirsty guys i'm not teaching your children to drink i'm not bad um <laughs> but, but it is that sort of level of okay unusual situations that actually give your character a bit of a problem a bit of a stumbling block which are relatable to the universe that they're in um it's much more like writing fantasy writing um uh historical fiction than it is i think writing modern you know normal fiction because you just you, you know we don't need to know for example i don't know just anything set in the modern thing it doesn't really matter what app they have to track their you know friend movement or whatever i mean that must be quite refreshing to just wipe all that away (laughs) exactly but it is you know no telephones really does make a difference to plot yeah Um, yeah um, yeah. it's it's weird things it's like would you recognize your parents if you hadn't seen them in three years yeah yeah no photographs no nothing it's that sort of you know um it's an odd you know it's a very odd thing and children being given a lot more freedom than they are now because mm-hmm. they're you know they have to be because you can't you can't keep your child inside because there is literally nothing to do and also there you know it's perfectly normal for a kid to just wander off which is great for children's stories because you know obviously a kid being you know helicopter parent is not the it's not the ideal thing i mean most most children's fiction you have to get rid of the parents somehow yeah there's uh, a reason there's a reason there's a lot of absent parents for you know, many yeah, reasons. and orphans and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also it's that classic thing of you've got to have a character who needs and wants and is a bit unhappy and broken. Otherwise, there's no real, you know, it's a very boring thing to follow. Is you know, even on Instagram, or something nobody. I know people do follow perfect people who pretend to be perfect, but I often wonder is they're just what wanting them to crack, waiting for the slip. Yeah. To see. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think I think there's something incredibly human about that because we want to we when we see something curious we want to know how it works mm-hmm. and when you do that with a person it's probably more interesting than it, almost anything else mm-hmm. and the because history allows you to put people in the most extreme situations where there isn't an obvious way out where there may be an obvious way out now you can really sort of make them you know yourself question what would you do in that situation and use that as an example to sort of help your own brain 
to work out oh actually maybe I should be a bit nicer to myself maybe that would be a good idea because <laughs> they weren't and they nearly died several times so how about let's not I mean yeah but so, it's yeah sorry go oh what I was just going to say you know you talked about having writing block um it doesn't appear that you've had writing block because at the moment it looks I like mean, you've got eight, eight <laughs> books <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I've got I've got six books out and two are out, two more are out in April, um, and I've got another two lined up, possibly another four lined up as well. So it's kind of like, yeah, um, two I've signed the contract on. One needs delivering very soon, and yeah, I don't have writer's block, not ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really complicated. The one I'm writing at the moment, um, it, it, it's an absolute nightmare in many respects, but. Um, I, I never have writer's block about what interests me because I'm interested in almost everything. Um, I can find a story in everything. If you told me to sort of like, you know, there's a bit in one of my books, the time travel books, where you've got a boy who's making pins. I didn't know how to make pins. I thought that was a bit interesting. I'm going to put a boy making pins in the book. That's fantastic. On your way to meet a very sweaty Isaac Newton. Um, I thought that would be, you know, a fun thing to have. But it is it is that sort of case of there isn't anything that isn't interesting. It's just how you make that into a story and how you make that personal mm -hmm. and how you make that story continue to be interesting without being so complicated, particularly when it comes to City of Spies and all of the different politics of that, because it's not like there's a good side in that war. You know, it's, and it's it's one of these things because for Blackbeard's Treasure and City of Spies, they're both in the 18th century, British Empire, 18th century. It's not great, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's not great anywhere. And I've got people of colour in those books. So that is a you know massive thing that you have to really sort of think about, because one of the things that really annoys me about almost all of the movies in the Caribbean, um, there's not just a, most people are black. And there's hardly any black people. And also, when I say black, they didn't even think of them as black. They just thought of them as from the different countries they were from because race wasn't yet a thing, which is bizarre considering that the black people on the majority were enslaved. And it's just like, what? Yes. So dealing with all of that, you know, um, Bloomsbury did, fortunately. I had a, um, a, a, a sensitivity reader. Um, who pointed out all of my racism that was inherent. And I was like, fair enough, we'll change all of that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is a really interesting sort of, you know, flip perspective of what you think the past is versus what it actually was. And trying to give that an actual voice is really, is a hard you know, it's, a, it's very hard to cross, but it's not, not interesting. It's not like I don't want to write about it. It's like, how do I write yes. about it? And, that makes me come across as very prolific, but actually there's so much more you don't understand about this and this. <laughs> well, it sounds like an incredible challenge, like a real puzzle, you know, like how mm. to deliver it in that way. Um, I'm interested in your writing routine because of your <laughs> prolificness. <laughs> well, here we have Izzy's on a, um, Izzy's coming up to a massive deadline, uh, which I've had an, well, I'm getting an extension for, so it's not as bad as I thought it would be. But um, so at the moment, my writing routine is I get up in the morning and I will uh, go for probably to the gym because I like, I like to sort of get that sort of thing out of me. And then it feels at least I've achieved something today, even yeah. if it's just burpees. <laughs> um, so I do that. 
I do that and I have a breakfast and I come into my room and I stare at my computer. And then I think I want to know what you're having for breakfast. Me. Sorry, Izzy. I think porridge. I want to know. Porridge. Okay, porridge. porridge. Anything on the porridge? You get that from Letty Ped. It's a... No, just porridge. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, right. Letty Ped puts marmalade on porridge, but that's because she's a weirdo. Um, I just have my porridge neat. Um, okay. So black Sorry coffee, for the obviously. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, so it's important, I understand. Um, so this is a typical day. Uh, go to the gym, come back again, you know, shower, answer the 47 emails I've got because I've also got other real work to do. Not well, re- you're, not you're a professional podcaster. I am person. a professional. Yeah, I, I do. I do. You know, I have to answer producers' emails and, you know, yes. and, and that sort of thing, which gets in the way, which is great because it gives you stuff to do. Because I find if I don't have stuff to do, I won't do anything at all. So I've got to sort of fit my fit writing in. in around things. Exactly. So I've got to do it now. So and you've got to do something now. You do it now, even if it's not very good, but it doesn't matter. You can go back and revisit it. So it's fine. And then you go back and revisit it. Oh, that's quite good. That's okay. <laughs> but um, so it'll if I'm if I have got an entire sort of afternoon or an entire morning to sit down and do something, I will probably either start where I left off and write back a little bit. Or I will just 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 remind myself of these facts and go and you know get the book again and look at the bookmarks and just okay it was that and then and then I'll you know probably surf the internet for a little bit looking for extra information maybe often I'm looking at maps so I'm going okay so how long would it take you to get from Nassau to South Carolina on average mm-hmm. and what sort of what size ship would that be and should I make the ship a bit bigger give it a few extra sails and if I did that where would that ship have come from it'd probably come <laughs> from Bristol and it'd probably gone down to you know the um the Gold Coast or something like that before coming over so that means if it's from Bristol they can all say ah can't they that'd be good they wouldn't be Scottish well maybe they would be Scottish maybe I've got a, you know that's that's where my brain goes and then I just write down and they saw a ship <laughs> you know so quick wormhole yeah. and then exactly but yeah. but wormholes wormholes is what they do and it's where uh, and then usually I'll write for a bit and then I'll have lunch and then I'll go for a walk and when I go for a walk all the solutions will come to me when I'm farther away from a pen as possible and then I'll get back from my walk remember a few of those solutions and then work on it um but I'm not I am I'm disciplined to the point where if I have a deadline, I'm very disciplined. If I didn't have the contract up front with the delivery date, it's not getting written. It's mm, not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got too much other stuff to do and yeah. it's just not I need that. I need the I need the excuse to be creative. I need that permission to be creative because somebody else is waiting for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's that sort of I used to when I was a kid. Um, I boarded the last year of uh, my high school. I went to a little posh girl school in Ox. It was the least posh of all the posh girl school. But I got a scholarship, so whatever. And I used to... I was uh, writing science fiction at the time. That's what I enjoyed. And so I was writing science fiction. My friend Laura was writing historical fiction, weirdly. And we had, like, dorms adjoining. And so we would actually write for each other. So we'd spend, like, an hour writing and then swap and then read the story and see where we're getting up to and what's happening. And that was really good because that taught me that actually, like with stand-up, I need an audience. I need that feedback. Um, otherwise, I question myself a hell of a lot. Um, and that's, you know, and I think I've got a lot more confident. Now I've had like, you know, four proper length children's books out that yeah. I feel like, OK, I can do this. You know, yeah. none of them have been completely panned. This is fine. <laughs> you know, People have been very <laughs> generous about them. Um, so, you know. We've got kids dressing up as my characters on World Book Day. This is good. So let's <laughs> let's keep this going. Um, but it is it is that it is that um, 
um, that thing of I really trust other people's feedback. My editor, Hannah, any feedback she gives me, she's like, I'm just not sure about this. I'm thinking, right, we're changing it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even I, I just I just trust the universe a bit more. And I don't I'm not precious because I think yeah. precious when you're precious in stand up, it ruins it. You're precious, everybody has to listen to this joke the way I want to tell it. And I'm not going to react to anything happening in the room while I tell it. It's awful. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to trust other people's brains. And so the way your brain sees it and has tried to put it down, it hasn't worked and that's okay and you can change it. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's, sense? absolutely. I mean, and that's the um, that's the beauty of draft, you know, when you get to that second draft mm-hmm. point with the, with the, yeah. I mean, I I think it was just... With it's really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also sometimes... And, and I, sensitivity reader. Oh, gosh, thanks. Thank, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so racist, guys. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's it's bad because, you know, because obviously, I think, I think, you know, even, you know, people who are white in this country are still racist because of the nature of the soup that we live in. It is, you know, whatever we do, it's going to be sexist. It's going to be racist. It's not going to be great for, you know, gay and disabled people. That is the universe we live in. So when, you know, and it's that thing of just going, when you have a sensitivity reader and they do point things out to you, it's a thing of not going, oh, well, I didn't mean that and they can't think I meant that. Oh, my God, how do they read it that way? You just have to go, good point. Oh, my goodness, how embarrassing. Thank goodness they read it and helped. Yeah, 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 Um, absolutely. It's it's a lot. Um, And actually, uh, City of Spies, even though I've got people of colour in American Revolutionary New York, um, hardly any, you know, I'd learnt my lessons with that and it was just the sexism that that I got picked up on. So who'd have thought? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> who'd have thunk it <laughs> yeah I got way better I got way better um, but the trouble is you're writing about racist and sexist times so it's so yeah, hard because yes. yes. you can't I don't want to whitewash anything I'm not going to exclude people who were there out of the story and I'm not going to say that they didn't suffer at the result of this horrendous sort of like you know, societal structure on the other hand I can't approve of that even though historically speaking most all the characters would have approved of that yeah so you know i there is that thing of you're writing for a modern audience and you can't be too historically accurate with exactly what would have happened because you know i have kids going on a pirate ship and kids on a pirate ship are not well treated and and it's finding that line because i i really want you know i think i think um our history is absolutely fascinating and i don't see any point in sort of like sugarcoating it or lying about it particularly with kids who love death and destruction anyway they love yeah. people being mean to each other they're learning about that it's interesting so why sh- you know i'd love to catch up with you in a few years when you probably have written 18 oh, yeah. books i feel oh god yeah i don't know <laughs> do you actually yeah, maybe yeah maybe my last question would you be about i mean yeah about your about balancing how do you find that because i mean you've yeah you i mean i like the sound of your day with the gym stuff I mean, it's and the porridge porridge yeah. porridge and gym and you usually random stuff but there's no i'm not i'm you know uh it, it, it is that thing if i sidle up to work i have to come in sideways and pounce <laughs> on it if i go directly towards it it will back away so yeah. you need to imagine Catching a cat with a tea towel. That is that is how you wrestle me into it. And once I'm in there and I'm focused on it, I am just writing. Yeah. And I will yes. I won't I won't be right I won't notice I'm writing. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm in the story and I understand and I'm getting into the character and I want, you know, and I've I've got their head, I can hear them in my head talking. Yes. Yeah. Um 
then that that's fun because then they're real and then it's and then you know oh yeah. this is fun this is good but is it hard um, to pull it's... i mean is it do you i mean are you worried about being overtired i suppose with the amount that you're writing or does that not yes work? and no but sometimes sometimes you know you know someone's you know sleepy is the thing is as long as i'm not overthinking and i'm not in my head does that make sense so if you're mm. not beating yourself up and you've got that energy to focus on it usually extra energy is just going on oh what should i should i order something on amazon or what why don't we go <laughs> over there and that's really oh my goodness have you not done this by this time and like i say a lot of it if I'm not writing, it's because I need time to digest. You know, it's like trying to poo when you've only just eaten. You need to that time to just go, okay, let's think about this and let's take, you know, yeah. get it in. So I'd really, you know, I, I don't know if it's a case of it, I, it, every bit of work I do, it feels like I'm fooling myself into it. That's, you know, I have to trick myself to do it. And then I really want to do it and I won't let myself do it because it, I've got something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> I know it's and such then, a funny thing. I sometimes I feel like I'll if I'm feeling like I can't write, I'll go, okay, I'll just write incredibly badly. I'll do my worst yeah. writing, and yeah. and then I'll start from there. And then it's all right. It's I'm, fine. Probably usable. And then I'm in it. And that. What do you What do you use to write on? How do you How do you What's your What's your just um, writing app of choice? Just. Well, at the moment it's pages because my Microsoft license ran out. So yeah, nice. it's very. I don't know. Yeah, in the past I've even used Google Docs. So I'm not using any I use anything. Google Docs. Yeah, but until it's I find all... Google Docs really good because it's basically it lets you go back to previous drafts really easily. Yeah, and I yeah, really yeah. enjoy that because I can just go. Oh, it's not permanent. Yeah, and once you sort of you know, I'm one of these people who you know loves really nice notebooks but I find them very difficult to start because I, I'll ruin them. I mean, I don't know. Is there anyone who actually does like really nice notebooks and then actually is able to use them? I've yet to met such a unicorn. I, I do manage. I, I've got one here. It's underneath my shoe. Um, <laughs> I think this one I've used quite a lot of. Yes. Because I start off very sort of elaborate with like, oh, lots of drawings. Oh, hold on. And that That's sort of beautiful. Thing. And then it goes, and then it starts to get a bit thing. Uh, and then it's sort of like, so... If you, oh gosh, is he just is a, showing beautiful illustrations? But showing... then it just gets more and more and more mad and random until the end. It's just like absolutely, you know. Still some gems in there, but yeah, that's that's Ashley. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it, but it, it's 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 like it just goes to that goes to pop. But I I always start off meaning well. I mean, that's such a beautiful collapses. picture of a seagull there. That's so well, beautiful. Obviously. It's just, it's just an M, guys. It's just an M in the sky. <laughs> um, but, but, but uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, I find it, I find it very difficult to, um, um, to ruin, you know, and, I, and like I said, I'm quite precious about what I do put to paper because once I do put it to paper, then it's kind of like a permanent feels, thing in my head mm -hmm, and, I, mm -hmm. and it feels like that's got to somehow be included even when it can be dropped, yeah. you know, and sometimes that's an entire character, which is very upsetting. Yeah, um, and you just say, "Oh, oh, this person doesn't need to be in it, even though they're an actual historical figure." Oh, it would be better <laughs> with them in it. I'd probably sell more copies if I managed to fit them in, but no, it's not relevant to the story. We can make this better. So it's it's that sort of you know, yeah, push pull. Oh, well, thanks, Izzy. I mean, I've, I'm worried. I'm aware of the time and of your deadline, but um, mm -hmm. I just loved your illustrations so much. Do you think you'll ever illustrate alongside your writing? They're fantastic. I don't know if I'm consistent enough 
I think to be a good illustrator, you have to be very. I don't wouldn't want to be a professional illustrator because I wouldn't want to illustrate anybody else's things. And the illustrators I get are so good. Yeah. So um, it's like I'm not I'm not I'm not lost for talent, as it were. That you know. Um, but it is that thing. If you're a, an illustrator, it's the consistency that I think is so difficult. Because I will do a few nice drawings, but then I'll get bored of that particular thing I'm drawing and want to draw something else. And if you're an illustrator, you've got to draw that same thing for the next 50 days. Yes. Um, and I think that would be, I think it's important that you have things for fun. If I, when I'm not mm -hmm. writing, mm -hmm. like before I wasn't writing, I was writing for fun. I'm yeah. not not writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is that, you know, I think, I think keeping that side of your brain and side of you alive, like yeah. stand up comedy, I don't do that anymore as professionally. I still, you know, do probably about, I probably average, you know, maybe six gigs a month. It's not very much, but it's not enough to get paid for, but I'm still doing it because it's fun. And if you can make, if you can make something a paid hobby, great, but it, not everything has to be a side hustle, guys. You can just have fun. And I think drawing for me is fun. So I'm going to yeah. just do that for fun yeah so, okay that's good that's good advice sage advice all right izzy cheers so much and yeah really looking no forward to seeing what you do next um and I thank know. you well look out look out got two time travel next doors time machine next doors sorry the time machine next doors um rebellions and super boots and oh what's the other one called something in tennis balls i can't even remember the title of my own books guys i quite uh, like something that... in tennis balls to be honest it is it is it is it is something in tennis it's kiwi keepers i know it's kiwi keepers and oh something else <laughs> anyway gosh i'm i'm, just, I'm so tired <laughs> too many ideas in my brain i didn't i didn't title those books by the way that was all done out of my hands <laughs> I should, I should really know these things but um, yeah if you know any if you know any short people who are into history those have, I really like those because they got facts in as well so I get to write fact boxes with actual this is real so those, are the, time, I, I really like. those are the time machine books yeah yeah those for yeah. six to nine year olds and then yeah. the Unstoppable Letty Peg Billy Swift Takes Flight Blackbeard's Treasure and City of Spies are all for nine to twelve year olds and they're all a lot of violence excellent so, and then the I one you're you're violence. trying to untangle at the moment. That's that hasn't got a, a name at the moment. Do you want to know a bit about that? Because I could tell you I could, couldn't I? Yeah, you could. Should as I? long as it's called the title's got and something, that's fine by me. <laughs> oh, I don't. Well, I don't have a title for it yet. I, it, it, on the contract, it's called the Cursed Tomb. But as ancient Egyptians never cursed their tombs, it seems a bit uh, silly to call it that. But um, and it is historically accurate. But it's set in 1249 BCE um, in Memphis. And um, there Amazing. are no white people at all. So Amazing. that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best of luck with it. And thanks so much Thank for you. chatting. Thank you. How brilliant is she? Um, so I did try and find the name of the title, Something in Tennis Balls book. I'm not sure if I can find it. But the two Time Machine Next Door books, which are going to be out this April 2024, are rebellion and super boots and rule breakers and kiwi keepers so i couldn't find the tennis balls but look out for those they're about to come out great back catalogue as well by izzy so enjoy those books thanks so much for listening really looking forward to next week's episode which will be the final one of this season okay thanks so much bye <laughs>